Our first scripture reading is taken from Acts 2, verses 1 to 11, which can be found on page 1093 in your Bibles. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak to each other in, um, in, in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the, other, and the parts of Libya near, near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. This is the word of the Lord. Our gospel lesson is from John chapter 7, beginning at verse 37, found on page 1072 in your pew Bibles. Hear God's word. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. May God bless to us the hearing and the understanding of God's holy word. There's a yearning these days for spiritual renewal. You can see it if you go into a bookstore with the racks of books on spiritual religious matters. They're biblically themed movies. One of the more popular ones that came out in the last few years was Risen about one of the Roman soldiers at the foot of the cross. I was in a coffee shop flipping through one of those tabloids that you often see lying around and there was a column on spirituality right after the ads for the strip joints and the dating services. So you see it everywhere. Frequently you'll hear, you'll hear people say I'm spiritual but not religious even those who don't want to have anything to do with church acknowledge there's a grandeur and a mystery beyond what human beings can comprehend. There's a life-giving force in the universe that can't be contained or described by 
any creed or institution, a power that transcends every effort to define it. We know there's something or someone greater than ourselves. The Apostle Paul begins his letter to the Romans in the New Testament, acknowledging that we human beings are capable of comprehending more than we do. He writes, for what can be known about God is plain. Ever since the creation of the world, his eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things he has made. There's something greater beyond ourselves, ready to fulfill our deepest desires and longings. It's there, but we don't always get it. William Blake, the romantic poet who had an uncanny gift for seeing things others missed, once wrote, if the doors of perception were cleansed, everything would appear to us as it is, infinite. There's a spiritual thirst, but if our spirits are going to be revived, we have to be in touch with the source of that renewal. It's not something that we can construct for ourselves, not something we can pick off the shelf and carry home. After World War I, T.E. Lawrence, known as Lawrence of Arabia, brought the chieftains of Arabia with him to the Paris Peace Conference. Those men of the desert were amazed at many things they saw there, but what amazed them most was the running water in their hotel rooms. In the desert, water is scarce. They knew its value, and here, here it was, right at their fingertips, free and endless just for the turning of a tap. When the chieftains prepared to leave Paris, Lawrence found them trying to detach the faucets so they could always have water with them in their desert homes. He tried to explain that behind the taps were huge reservoirs. Without that supply, the faucets were useless. But the chieftains insisted they were sure they could disconnect the faucets, take them back to the desert, and they would have water forever. What our spirits thirst for is the spirit of God that flows from the source of life itself. That's what Jesus offered the crowds at the temple in Jerusalem. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, he said, and let the one who believes in me drink. He is the one who satisfies our spiritual longings. He is our connection with the spring of life itself. He is the source of all we long for, the one who gives us truth and grace and life. In the Bible, a stream of water is often used to describe the life-giving grace of God. The Bible was written in a dry land. People thought about water a lot because it was scarce. Now here in Zurich, we don't have that problem. We have this wonderful 
lake and rivers fed by snow-covered mountains. Water is there. It never runs dry. All we have to do is pump it, filter it, purify it, and deliver it. But if the pipes get clogged, even if we live right by a source of endless water, we don't have access to the abundant supply that flows right by us. A while back, the water pressure in the shower in our bathroom at home almost disappeared. You turn on the faucet and there was just a little dribble of water would come out. We called the plumber and he discovered that some debris had fallen into the pipe. To fix it, he had to cut out a piece of drywall in the adjoining room, remove a section of the pipe and replace it. Then we had to replace the drywall and repaint the room. It was a huge job, but unless we did it, we wouldn't have the water. Sometimes we need to tend to our connections with the water of life. Jesus was clear there's more to the Christian life than just accepting him as Lord and Savior. Those of us who've been Jesus' disciples long enough know that the life of the Spirit has its dry moments. There are times when we find it hard to pray. Stretches when we don't think about God very much. There are moments when we wish God didn't know some of the things that we've done. We all have times like that. Times when our connection with the Spirit seems clogged or disconnected. Growing in the life of faith is not something that happens automatically. We have to tend to it the way we tend to the plumbing in our house. In his letter to the Colossians, Paul encourages us to tend to the life of the Spirit. He writes, let your roots grow down deeply in Christ Jesus and draw up nourishment from him. See that you go on growing in the Lord and become strong and vigorous in the truth you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, that spiritual renewal is not something we can force. We can't program the Holy Spirit to work on our timetable or at our convenience. Belden Lane once wrote about stalking the snow leopard in the Himalayas. The snow leopard's coloring is white with gray spots, so they blend into the surrounding snow-covered countryside of their native landscape. If you want to see a snow leopard in its natural surroundings, you can't go looking for it directly. It blends in so well that you never notice it. The way you find a snow leopard is to stalk its prey. You follow the rabbits and the other small animals that it hunts, knowing that it's nearby until you catch a glimpse of the leopard out of the corner of your eye. If you look for it too hard, you'll miss it. You have to let it come to you and then be ready when it comes. That's often how we experience the spirit of God. We can't control the spirit, but we can remove those things that 
shield our vision or distract us from it. We can go to those places where we've encountered the Spirit before. Here in worship, out in nature, in times devoted to prayer, in certain spiritual books that have fed our souls before. Or we can put ourselves in new places where others have encountered God in the hope that we will experience God there too. Places like a mission project or a Sunday school class or a home group. We open our hearts to prayer. We take time to savor the words of Scripture. The Spirit cannot be forced. It blows where it wills, but we can prepare ourselves for it. We can open ourselves to it. We can make sure that when the Spirit blows our way, we're ready. That's why it's important to practice spiritual disciplines like prayer and Bible study and worship. Not to force the Holy Spirit to pour out on us, but to make sure that when it does, we're ready. The Spirit is active sometimes in ways you just don't notice until you're ready. I have a friend, Doug Baker, who's a Presbyterian mission co-worker in Northern Ireland. He's been working with the churches there to bring peace and reconciliation. Every so often, he would return home to the United States and give a report on the work that he has been doing in Belfast, where he's lived for the last 20 or so years. And it was always encouraging to hear him talk about the progress that's been made in Northern Ireland through negotiations and threats and political breakthroughs. But what's most encouraging is to to hear him tell about what may be the most powerful force for peace, which has been prayer and work that people like him are doing in communities of faith. A number of years ago, my wife and I visited the Corimila community where Doug was working at the time. It's a beautiful spot on the Antrim coast that serves as a retreat center where Catholics and Protestants could leave the tensions of the city and drink deeply from the waters of the Spirit together. While we were there, we shared the facility uh, with a group of middle-aged women from Belfast. They were Catholics and Protestants, many of whom lived just blocks from one another, but for most of them, it was the first time in their lives They had sat in the same room with someone from the other side, let alone prayed together. They have been pipelines through which that Holy Spirit gently watered the soil of Ireland so the spirit of peace could take root. And in recent years, when Doug has come back and reported on his work there, he's reminded us that that work of the spirit takes continual tending so that uh, the weeds of hatred and resentment don't grow back up. It takes continued prayer from all who long for peace. We know that prayer changes things, but most often the thing that's changed is ourselves. Prayer, which we do through the power of the Spirit, 
is as much about listening to God's spirit speak to us as it is about us speaking to God. When we open ourselves to God in prayer, the Holy Spirit interacts with our spirits to make us more like Christ. I think that's one reason Jesus told us to pray for our enemies. Maybe not just to change our enemies, but to change ourselves. Have you ever prayed for someone with whom you're in conflict? I usually find that in praying about it, in lifting up that other person in prayer, I discover something that I've done to contribute to the conflict. I often get some insight into why the other person has been so difficult. If not because of something I've done, then maybe because of something that's going on in that person's life. Or maybe through prayer, I've resolved to call them into account for some inappropriate behavior. Not so I'll be vindicated, but so they can be true to their identity as someone created in the image of God. And then sometimes the Spirit's led me just to leave it alone, to step back, let God deal with it. Prayer helps us look at others as God sees them. We can never completely shed our prejudices and our preconceptions. But through prayer, the Holy Spirit gives us a broader, more loving perspective on life. We can see things as they truly are, the way Jesus sees them. When we pray or read scripture or worship together, we position ourselves to receive the Spirit of God. We open the tap. Jesus gives us streams of life, giving that living water flowing from the hearts of all who believe in him. And that living water refreshes and renews us. It lifts us up and gives us life. Drink deeply from that water and let it satisfy your deepest thirst. To God be all glory, honor, and praise. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.